0: And so uh, several weeks ago, I was supposed to have devotions, and I said to Terrell, now, when do I get up for devotions? (laughs) I couldn't even put it together. So it's all right to move things around once in a while. Well, my wife and I were on a trip to North Dakota. It's our annual trip there in summer. And while we were there, we ran into an interesting young man. And this is my testimony this morning of how God works. It's amazing. I just, as he was say, telling this story, I just thought, I thought of the children of Israel. It all must most matched perfectly when they were in Egypt. <clears throat> this man uh, was a cabinet maker and he was, uh, Julie and Jamie bought a house in North Dakota and they're remodeling it and going to move there and, So they, somehow, I don't know how they run into this man from uh, Manitoba, Canada. He's a young man, probably 30, 35. And uh, they uh, had him build their cabinets and he brought some some of the cabinets down when we were there. And over lunchtime, we were talking and he had this German accent. And so I asked him some questions. how long he'd been in Canada, and not really that long, 10 years. And his family uh, migrated to Canada. And then he went on to tell his story, his ancestor's story. He, I think, if I remember right, he was born in Siberia. And how did he get there to be, or how did his parents get there to be born? Well, I wish he was here to tell the story, but I'll tell it the best I can. The The Russian Mennonites, the Mennonites were invited into Russia years ago by Catherine the Great. I'm not sure about that. And because they knew that um, the Mennonites were good farmers and the Ukraine was a very fertile land. I was in Moldova a number of years ago and dug a post hole, and that's right next to, Mo- to the Ukraine. And i dug 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 down four feet, and there was four feet of topsoil in that land that 's that 's amazing, very fertile country anyhow, these Mennonites prospered and grew. remember how the Israelites did? they prospered and grew, and things got tougher, and they prospered more and so uh, i don 't know who the ruler was in Russia at that time. But he, he got, became fearful of these people, and he shipped them to Siberia by train loads. And this is what is amazing. <clears throat> How God uses evil things to accomplish wonderful things. These people, <clears throat> it was in the winter, and they got sick. And they, uh, some of them probably died on the train, and some of them were near death. And so they just kicked them off the train whenever it was convenient. And this, you know, who knows how many train loads of people went to Siberia. Well these people, they some of these people they, they kicked off the train survived. And so what happened was what happens when you throw seed out the window every once in a while? It sprouts and grows, and that's exactly what happened. These Mennonites survived, some of them, every maybe a thousand miles apart, I don't know, a hundred, five hundred. And here now today, there's little Mennonite settlements up through that area because of what that ruler did, transporting those people to Siberia, Siberia to get rid of them, and it backfired on him. Now there's more than there was. They didn't die up in Siberia. They thrived on the, all the way up through there. So, I just thought it was amazing how God um, used that evil man to accomplish wonderful things. And so, I just am amazed how how God works. Now, how did Jacob Penner, that was his name, get to Canada? Well, back when Ronald Reagan um, told Gorbachev to... <coughs> tear that wall down. And that happened. That wall is no longer. <clears throat> and so uh, they were on the communist side. They they had migrated from Siberia to Germany, communist Germany, in uh, some time or other, I don't know when. But anyhow, at that point in time, his dad got tired of... Um, having to work at something that he didn't like to do. That's the way it works there, I guess. So he filled out the paperwork after the wall was down, and um, some years later, then he they moved to uh, Manitoba, Canada. Well, they didn't know anybody in Canada. And so the officials um, found them a place to live, and and the next after they yeah the day the next day after they got to where they were going to live the official came back and he said I got a job for you and so now this was this man's dad Jacob's dad and so he uh followed the man into a place of business and and tried to talk with this person at the desk and they couldn't communicate the man said, just a minute, I have a lady that can talk to you. And he went back and got this lady, and she came front, and here they both knew high German, communicated very fluently. And here they had ended up right smack in the middle of a German, Russian-German German colony. And so uh, he had nothing to do with that. God just placed him there because God knew where he wanted him. And so uh, it's amazing how God works. Several months ago at our family camp out, I walked by one of the food tables there, and uh, there was a book laying on the table there, and and the title of the book was The Boy in the Window. Anybody read that book? Very interesting book. Probably one of the most heart wrenching books I ever read, but yet encouraging. And so I picked up this book and uh, opened it a couple pages, and there was a page there that was blank except for this paragraph, written by Vance Havner. God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is Peter, weeping bitterly, who returns to greater power than ever, and so <clears throat> I read that paragraph several times, and it kind of struck a chord in my heart. And so I read the book. What a story! If you ever, everybody needs to read that book. But the sad thing is. His story is a story that could have probably be written a million times every day here in America. maybe different situations. <clears throat> Little boys are broken every day. Little girls, innocents. Taken advantage of beaten i 'll not tell the story. you read it, <clears throat> but it struck a chord in my heart, and I decided this morning i need I would like to talk about brokenness brokenness. When something breaks at my house, it's not very useful. When your tractor breaks, you are disgusted. And why did that have to happen? <clears throat> your truck breaks down, what an inconvenience. God thinks. Totally different than I think. Here's how God thinks about brokenness. Here's the comparisons between how I think and how God thinks. God says for me to be broken. Now that goes against my thinking. He also says, you must die to live. Now that doesn't make any sense, does it? He also says, do good to your enemies. That really goes against my grain. And he also says, to lose your life is to gain it. Now does that make sense? God thinks opposite of what we think. <clears throat> A father right now is in the process of breaking his children, and you know i don't I don't want to compare us to animals today but the Bible does the Bible says we like sheep have all gone astray we have each one went his own way <clears throat> I don't know if Anthony remembers this or not but we were working south in Appanee a long time ago and this Amish man was breaking a horse and I never had observed anybody breaking a horse before but that was brutal. <clears throat> that poor horse. I think he had, I think this man had a rope tied on every leg. And I we were a ways off, and I couldn't see everything that was happening. But I could see this. Every once in a while, the horse would totally collapse. Bam, down on the ground. And I, I suppose he broke the horse. I don't know, but it looked pretty brutal to me. But... uh <clears throat> Breaking things is painful experience in this life. And fathers or parents, your responsibility is to break your children's will, not their spirit. If you break a horse's spirit, you have a worthless animal. He will not pull. If you break the spirit of a child, you pretty much have the same thing. So it's to break their will not their spirit <clears throat> so this uh, young man has a little girl that he cannot keep in bed after she's 2 years old understands when it's supper time time to eat she comes running to the table time to do this time to do that she knows exactly what he's saying he tells her to stay in bed and she won't stay in bed she keeps getting out of bed So he decided, this little girl loves Smarties. So he took a pack of Smarties and he poured them in a bowl and he said, Here, this is your bowl of Smarties. But if you get out of bed, I will take one of these Smarties and put them in my bowl. He had a bowl suit too, it was empty. Okay, she understands. So he put her in bed and all was well for maybe ten minutes. Then he heard footsteps, and here come this little girl with a bowl of Smarties. And she said, Dad, do you want a Smartie? (laughs) She didn't get it. (laughs) So how do you train it? How do you get a child to understand what you're trying to teach them? That's that's the interesting part. And that's what you're going to have to figure out, because I can't tell you from up here. But it's the, the process. Uh, broken, brokenness is a lifelong process. Broken dreams. Broken relationships. Broken hearts. Isaiah 61.1 says that Jesus was sent. For the broken-hearted, and to set the captive free, <clears throat> and I had to think of some of the people in the Bible that were broken. Probably one of the most heart-wrenching uh, stories is Peter's brokenness at the crucifixion. Remember, Jesus told Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter said no. He was just like that little two-year-old Goa. Girl, I will stay in bed. I will not get out of bed. And Peter said, no, I will not deny you. And three times people came up to him and said, you were with that man. No, no. And the third time, the cock crew. And the Bible says Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And their gazes met. And a light came on, and Peter recognized his weakness, and he was crushed. He wasn't broken, he was crushed. And the Bible says, he went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. And what did this saying say this morning? It is Peter, weeping bitterly, who returns to greater power than ever. (laughs) Peter became a dynamic man for the Lord. Paul thought he was broke. He was killing Christians and he thought he was doing the right thing. And one day he met the Lord. And the Lord asked him, Why are you kicking against the pricks? And Peter said, What am I supposed to do? And so Peter was struck with blindness. And the story unfolds that eventually a man came to talk with Peter. And Peter's understanding was open of how, what great a sinner that he was, and I think that's what happened to Peter. He recognized the great sinner he was, and that's what we need to recognize. <clears throat> I'd like to turn to uh, Luke, uh, the seventh chapter, and read a story of <clears throat> also this. Uh, little quote from Vance Habner. Talk about the broken alabaster box. I'd like to read that story. Luke 7. 36 to 50. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at meat with the Pharisees at the in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did weep with them, did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. <clears throat> Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who had, uh, who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debt debtors. the one owed five the one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty and when they they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love me most. Simon answered and said, "I suppose he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven... The same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. <clears throat> and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith have saved, saved thee. Go in peace. That woman was broken. She Somehow she recognized her sinfulness. The Bible says she was a great sinner, had many sins. But she recognized her brokenness. And when she broke that alabaster box, that's when the odor, that sweet odor, I don't have a clue what it smelled like, but it was a good odor. It was a sweet and smelling savor, like the Bible says. That is the way we are in God's presence broken. We have, we give off this sweet and smelling uh, uh, savory odor. And it's others around us smell it. Can I say it that way? They see it. They see our brokenness. We had a good Sunday school lesson this morning on business. Our faith, our testimony doesn't stop when we go out and do our business job it continues as we go through life it's supposed to be every facet of our life is supposed to be a testimony of the lord the last one i'd like to look at is david um king saul uh he was we could get into his life, he he was never a broken man. As I was thinking about his life, I, I thought of one of his last days seeking he, he sought God and God had cut him off. God didn't hear him, so he went to a witch and it was all downhill from there on <clears throat> I'd like to read just a few verses from 2nd uh, Samuel chapter 12 after his sin with Bathsheba Nathan came to David <clears throat> and relate a story to David and in verse 5 David says and David's angry anger was kindled against that man and he said to Nathan as the lord liveth that man hath done this thing shall that hath done this thing shall surely die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing because he had no pity and David And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I will anoint thee king over Israel, and I will deliver thee out of the hand of Saul. Then I'd like to go to verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. David was a, a man after God's own heart. And, uh, I don't, I already said this, I don't understand God. But somehow God knows who's really repentant and who is not. Because God, God, or, uh, Saul, well, Saul, when he came back with the sheep he was supposed to destroy, oh, the people did it. The people did it. He didn't want to take the blame. So, Psalms uh, fifty one in closing here. This psalm is uh, been written as. Uh, David's confession after uh, his sin with Bathsheba it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He doesn't forget it. He doesn't forget it. Keeps coming back and tormenting him. And that's the way it is. You don't forget stuff like that. Verse 4. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in my sin did my mother uh, conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts that thou. Then the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make, Then I will teach transgressors the ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Unto thee. <clears throat> Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O God, open thou, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. And these next two verses are so important. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou desirest not in burnt offering. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with the burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall thy, they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So David is regretting his decision with Bathsheba and he's pouring out his heart to God for the sin that he committed. He had life generations of effect. David didn't have to die, but other did, other people did because of his sin. <clears throat> so we each need to ask ourselves, am I broken? And I, I was reading an article and I said to my wife after reading this article, I don't know if I want to preach this message. It's stepping on my toes pretty hard. I'll just read a few of these. There's a, there's a bunch of them about pride. Proud people focus on the failures of others. But broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. That's where David was at this that stage of his life. He was overwhelmed with the sense of spiritual need. <clears throat> Proud people are self-righteous. They have critical and fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. They look down on others. Broken people are compassionate they can forgive much because they know how much they had been forgiven that's that lady that Jesus said go your sins are free they think the best of others they esteem all others better than themselves Proud people desire to be served, but broken people are motivated to serve others. Proud people desire to be a success, but broken people are motivated to be faithful and to make others a success. And last of all, when you get close to God, God draws near to the place of brokenness. We find that brokenness brings the blessings of a new life being released. Jesus said that if that grain of wheat does not fall into the ground and its outer shell is not broken, it does not die. If it does not die, it will abide alone. So this morning, we all need to ask ourselves, am I broken? before God am I like a person the song um, am I like wine poured out on the altar for the can't find that right now but here it is would I be poured out like wine upon the altar for me or would you be poured out? And Jesus is asking this question. Would you be poured out like wine upon the altar for me? Would you be broken like bread to feed the hungry? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your great love to us as sinners. Thank you for loving us when we were yet sinners. Thank you for never giving up on us. You're always there nudging us along. And help us to recognize our sin as sin and to be sorry for the things that we've done as David was. Help us not to look back too much, Lord, on our failures, but to look forward to your love, grace, and mercy that you've given to us so freely. As a free gift, help us to accept that. Lord, guide us and direct us through this day and strengthen us, give us wisdom as we work work through these uh, difficult times and just uh, help us to remain faithful to you no matter what the cost. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.